Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys, and we continue the quarantine interview series and throw it back to the 1970s as we have former Tor Heel running back James Betterson with us. And uh, first of all, uh, James, uh, how's everything going? I know right now we're living in a very trying time where uh, it's there's a situation going on with the coronavirus that's definitely a scary situation, but it seems like everything is is sort of starting to calm down just a little bit. But how are you and, and, and your family doing with uh, all of this that's been going on? Uh, well, thanks for having me on, Anthony. Uh, yes, this is a unprecedented time for us. Uh, I'm uh, also, I don't know if I have the fortune or misfortune, but I have a business that was deemed essential here in the city of Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania. I have a laundromat. Mm-hmm. So, uh, trying to stay safe myself, but at the same time, you know, uh, allowing a lot of people to come into your laundry, you know, you kind of like in a catch-22, but right. I'm fortunate in the sense that I'm still able to still be open and, and conduct business. Well, yeah, that's great to hear, and, and we'll talk to you a little bit about that business that you have in Philadelphia a little bit later. But first, I want to go back and look at some of your time on campus at Carolina. And, you know, first of all, just kind of what are some of the memories that kind of stick out to you about your career and your time on campus at Carolina, a time that was still relatively successful for Bill Dooley and the Tar Heels at that time? Uh, yeah, those were, those were great uh, special times, uh you know, I had I had the pleasure of playing for Coach Bill Dooley, who was uh, run oriented. I mean, he he you know he wanted to run the ball three yards in a cloud of dust. So uh, it was a it was a, it was a running back's dream to play for a coach like that. And I, I had the, um, the fortune of coming in in 1972, which was the first year of freshman eligibility where freshmen could play on varsity. But uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to be chosen by Coach Dooley. He felt like that uh, freshmen still need to concentrate on you know, transitioning to college and their grades. And he didn't believe in uh, freshmen playing on varsity. 
my year, but the next year Mike Boyd was able to do it. So I kind of had a little bit of taste in my mouth. But when Mike was able to do it, and I wasn't able to do it. But uh, you know, so I I came in and played uh, on the JV team. Uh, didn't have a spectacular uh, freshman uh, campaign with junior varsity and all that. Got hurt. We only had a couple of games, mm-hmm. but by the time spring practice came and all the veterans would warn us, man, you ain't seen nothing like pre-spring practice or pre-spring practice. So after the, after my freshman year, we, we huddled up in February and really started fighting for those positions for the next season. And uh, that's when the coaches would put you harder than you ever been pushed before, 45 minutes of just continuous running, agility and all that. So it really uh, separated the men from the boys and made me grow up real quick. Uh, so by my sophomore year, when I was, when I was, uh, you know, an integral part of the team by my mm-hmm. sophomore year with Sammy Johnson and Billy Height uh, as running backs. Yeah, no, I mean, you got to, uh, of course, run behind Sammy Johnson uh, in that 1973 season, uh, ran for over 400 yards behind a guy that ran for 1,000 yards. But, man, you really peaked in that 1974 season where you had 1,116 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns. And you did that all while combining with a guy that you just talked about a little bit ago in Mike Voigt. How special was it not only for you to have that success yourself, but to be able to share it with a guy that was as special of a player as Mike would become? Well, uh, at first, i I got to be honest. You know, every running back wants to be the starter and you know and, and, and be the main guy but I, you know I recognized Mike's talent right away I mean he was a very you know he's a fast guy he ran hurdles and, and, and ran track he was he came into Carolina with much acclaim being the top back out of Virginia area and, and all that so I knew I knew there had to be space for him he also played uh, that 73 season where I got 400 yards he got a couple hundred yards so it was it was coaches uh Answer to have two different running backs with different distinct styles, and we had a quarterback and that uh, he he felt like that he could use us to take the plays in. Mm -hmm. So he would call plays and let us alternate. We would take the play in uh, on on every play, and as we both started to have success, uh, you know, uh, we we both kind of fell in love with it. We we started to get media attention. And all that kind of stuff. So we, we grew to love it. But at first, I was a little apprehensive, but I grew to love it. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, everybody has that competitive edge where they want to be the guy. But, uh, I mean, look, you still had just a fantastic season that year. Um, and then, you know, I mean, look, you, you finish up your career in, in 1975. Um, but, I mean, you had a really successful career under Coach Dooley. And, and when I look at Coach Dooley, you know, when you talk about the best head coaches in program history. Everybody wants to bring up Mac Brown and, of course, Dick Crum, which were both fantastic coaches for sure and should be recognized. But also, I feel like Bill Dooley has to be up there as well because he had a lot of success in his time on campus. You know, what was your relationship like with, with Coach Dooley? Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, uh, doing uh, when I came out of uh, high school in 72, you know, the ACC was still uh, just getting accustomed to, uh, you know, integration, you know, and having having uh, African-American players uh, on the squad. So it was a little bit of a tenuous time. Um, 
I was the first. I was the only black uh, scholarship player that came in uh, in my year, 1972. So that was. A little kind of funny, you know. I had Charles Waddell there. I had Ronnie Robinson right. and uh, Charles Baggett, who eventually he, who left. But you know, we were still kind of trying to grow the numbers, uh, improve our worth as African American players. And um, you know, coach was fair. You know, he was very fair in those days. You know, there was a lot of situations where you didn't know where well, am I going to play because of this, or somebody else going to play because of that, or who they are. Their parents are contributors. You just didn't really know, but I can say uh, that I felt like during my time there under Coach, Coach Dooley that I was treated fairly, and that's that's all you can ask for. So then you go on and get drafted by the Denver Broncos in the eighth round of the 76 draft. Um, unfortunately, you didn't play for them, but then you turn around, go to the Philadelphia Eagles, and you really had some success there. How surreal was that experience for you to be able to go from being a guy that you know played here in the state of North Carolina, you go on to play for the State University and have a lot of success, and then to eventually end up having success in the NFL? How surreal was that for you? Well, it was very surreal, and it didn't happen easily because, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the drawbacks of playing in Carolina and playing in the tail in the high offense and being a tailback mm-hmm. is that you didn't get a chance to do some of the other responsibilities that running backs were needs to know how to do at the pro level, and, and particularly with blocking. I didn't have the experience of doing a lot of, you know, blocking uh, at the tailback position. And we didn't do a lot of route running. We didn't catch a lot of passes. So that kind of held me up at Denver a little bit. Uh, and they thought I had talent, but they just thought I needed a little bit of seasoning. And so I didn't make it that year, but it, it didn't really dissuade me. I remember coming back to my hometown in High Point. And getting a job at uh, Thomas Built Buses where they made school buses. And I was determined that I was going to go try out one more time. I wasn't going to just give up. And I had some opportunities of which Philadelphia was one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember just working real, real hard and going out after work and running out on, on the field and by myself and assimilating, you know, what was going to happen, you know. So I was all bought in that I thought I had the talent. So I'm just glad I had the fortitude to, to you know, put the work in. And Philadelphia contacted me along with uh, uh, Chargers, a couple other teams. Uh, but John Ralston, who was the coach at Denver the year I was there, he had gotten fired that you, you know in that offseason. And he and Coach Vermeer were very, 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 very good terms because they they coached together at Stanford when 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 Ralston was the head coach there. So. He put in a good word for me with the Eagles. Uh, they had offered me a certain amount of money, but when he put in a good word for me, they, they kind of doubled what they were offering me and made it possible that I could just quit my job and just go down to Chapel Hill and just, just hang out for two months and just concentrate on nothing but lifting and <laughs> running past patterns and everything like that so I could get ready to play. Well, you spent two seasons there, which were successful, and clearly Philadelphia had a little bit of a hold on you because you stuck around there even after your football career concluded. Um, you had a successful career in, in uh, sales and marketing, and now you actually own your own business, which you talked a little bit about there um, just a minute ago. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing now and, and how everything's been going. Well, um you know, I graduated from Carolina. I was, I was, I was happy about that. You know that you get this opportunity to, you know, to trade off your your athletic proudness for 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 a degree. So I did graduate in four years, and I felt like, 
you know, going through that experience really kind of raised, uh, you know, my eyebrow about life and everything. I saw a lot of kids that were expiring to do something with their life. So when football was over, uh, you know, I, I still wanted to go out and make a name for myself. So I kind of worked my way up through sales and sales management and the cable TV industry, uh, the newspaper industry, uh, kind of sent it to a six-figure job as the sales manager for the Philadelphia Inquirer and um, ran to some stumbling blocks on as far as numbers that they wanted from me as far as sales, 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 sales. So eventually I saw entrepreneurship as a way that maybe I could kind of, you know, control my my future and, uh, you know, was fortunate enough to, to start a business up in upstate New York where I was still doing some of the same things I was doing with the Inquirer as far as uh, uh, subscription acquisition, the hard stuff, trying to get people to sign up for the paper. Right. And I led a team of marketers that would call people on the phone, knock on the doors. So I kind of, you know, did real well in the business and, and saved up a bunch of money. And at age 60, a few years ago, I didn't, I wasn't ready to retire. And I was looking for the next thing to get into. And I got uh, enamored with the laundry industry because they talked about the fact that the machines do all the work. They don't talk back. They don't call in sick. <laughs> so uh, I kind of drank the Kool-Aid and, uh, and started uh, in March of 2000, uh, 2016. I opened Better Clean Laundry. I have a football uh, logo uh, with the Eagles running back in my logo with my number on it. So I'm just putting it out there. Ex-Eagle owns laundry mat. And it started out a little slow. The location I chose had a reputation of being a laundry, but it fell on hard times. So there's a little struggle coming out the gate, but we'll, you know, we're successful now making a profit and trying to move toward, uh, you know, an exit strategy and maybe sell it for a profit or, and kind of walk away. I'm 65 and be 66 in August. I didn't realize I was going to be working this hard with the laundry business, but it's been kind of exciting to see something. I built from scratch, and a lot of folk have been pulling for me. I've got a lot of great customers, so uh, we're hanging in there is all I can say. Well, hey, we're pulling for you as well, and it's great to hear that you guys are having success up there. Uh, yeah, stay safe during these times uh, with all the people that are going to be coming in and out of there, but uh, thanks for stopping by and talking to us. It was great to uh, relive some of those memories. Uh, we've been doing this with a lot of guys, but it's always great to uh, toss it back to some of the guys that were around even before uh, I was born to be able to tell some of these great stories. So thanks for stopping by. Stay safe, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you down the line sometime, all right? Anytime, anytime. I love talking about the Tar Heels. And thanks, Anthony. You do a great job you're doing. And thanks for sharing some light on us old times. All right. Yeah, they, they appreciate the, the, the words. And, uh, yeah, just, just uh, take care. And uh, thanks for talking with us. All right? All right, Sammy. Bye-bye. All right, James Betterson, the former Tar Heel running back, stopping by with us. That was fantastic. Great to talk to him. And, of course, uh, if you guys have missed any, make sure you go back, check out all the other interviews that we've got um, with all of the other former Tar Heels. we got guys from all sorts of decades. Just last night, um, we recorded one with Scott Stankavich. Uh, we went back to the 90s with Chris Kildorf, the former Tar Heel quarterback, um, as well as the uh, late 90s, early 2000s with former linebacker Brandon Spoon. So there's all all sorts of great additions of the podcast that you guys can go back to and listen to. And we even have a lot of great interviews with some of the guys that recently graduated. Um, so make sure you guys go back, check all those out here just to kind of get your minds off of everything uh, that's going on. It's not something where we want you guys to completely ignore what they're telling you, but 
we understand that at times it can get a little uh, a little too much. So we just wanted to kind of help you guys take your minds off of it. We hope that this has worked out really well for you. Again, we've kind of hit the end of the line with a lot of the guys that we've hit up. We're going to continue to try to get some of these guys on, but there's no real guarantee that we're going to be able to. But um, this is being recorded well in advance, so I know that just from doing two a week, this should push this pretty far in. We should be rolling around soon to at least knowing what exactly we're going to do about the schedule for this upcoming season in terms of college football. Uh, of course, we're going to have you covered over on the Heel Tough blog website. Uh, we won't get into any specifics about what's on there because, as I mentioned, pre-recorded well before. But uh, make sure that you guys go out there, go and check out all the great stuff that we have on there. Football recruiting, we've had you covered in the offseason with, uh, as well as all sorts of team news. We'll have you covered with anything on uh, whether the season will be delayed or if it'll start on time. And then eventually, if we get into fall camp, we'll have you covered with all of that stuff leading up to what should be an extremely exciting 2020 season. Over on the basketball side, we've been doing the same thing, been covering the guys uh, in terms of going to the NBA and the NBA draft. Um, And we've also had you covered with all the recruiting stuff that uh, you guys need to know, getting you ready uh, for what should be an exciting 2020-21 season as the Tar try to bounce back from a tough year in 2019-20. We've had all those player reviews uh, where we look back on their seasons. Uh, also, we have the podcast, uh, the Roy's Boys podcast, where we've been looking at all those guys and kind of talking about their seasons, what they need to do next year. That's going to be the big thing that we're going to be doing as we head towards the season. Uh, And then, of course, once we get uh, into that preseason mode, we'll have you covered with everything, all those storylines as we get you ready uh, for what should be a bounce-back year. And then on the baseball diamond, uh, we've, of course, not been able to cover them in the offseason. We are still looking for full-time baseball help um, at the time that we're recording this. Uh, So, uh, Again, if you are interested, just hit us up. Really doesn't matter even if we find somebody. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're always looking to add more people on to help us and, and sort of grow our team, give people a chance that maybe are, you know, wanting to write, maybe have some interest in writing and really just haven't been able to do it. Um, you know, just, so just hit us up. Uh, me at HTB Anthony on Twitter. Uh, also, you can email me, anthony.pegnata at yahoo.com, or you can hit Josh Marlowe up, of course, the normal co-host of the show. Um, he is the guy that helps me sort of run things here with the blog. At uh, Joshua Marlowe 5 on Twitter is where you can contact him. So, uh, Once again, uh, of course, for you guys, uh, you've probably heard it the last few episodes. If you guys could, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Again, the rate review is to just kind of move us up some of the ranks so that other Tar Heel fans can find the podcast because there are so many great Tar Heel podcasts. Um, no slight against any of those. We just want people to be able to hear these great interviews, have another Tar Heel podcast in their life with the ones that they already have. So if you guys could do that, we'd really appreciate it. The subscribe, that's more for you so that you can make sure you don't miss any of the episodes. So if we have any more great interviews, you won't miss them. And also whenever we get into in-season mode or whenever we do a recruiting podcast, you don't miss any of that. That's all there for you. It'll appear right in your little home library area for podcasts, and you can download the latest episode right there. So once again, want to thank James Betterson for stopping by. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels!